As we stand in this house today, I call your attention to our text today, which is Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. As we stand in honor of the word of the Lord, I'll read verses 1 to 10. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in gleaming, shining garments. Then they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. He is not here, he is risen. Let's say it together. He is not here, he is risen. Hallelujah, hallelujah indeed. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And the third day rise again. Let's say that together. And the third day, rise again. Hallelujah. Little children, ring your bells. Hallelujah. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all the things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Let us pray. Our good and holy God, we give you thanks on this Easter Sunday morning for one more opportunity to gather in this room. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of your scripture that as we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. We thank you for the promise of your word that as we gather in your name, that you are present among us. We thank you, God, that you are God and that you are our living hope. And God, we confess to you that we are hungry people. We are hungry for your word. We need it more than bread. We need it more than oxygen. So we ask you once again, Lord, to speak, to speak because your servants are listening. God, we offer ourselves to you and to this encounter. And we pray, God, that you would give us tender hearts that would receive your word like a seed planted in rich soil. We pray, God, that you would give us hands that are strong, that our work in this world would be like your own. We pray, God, that you would give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. We ask you to give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And God, we pray that you, by your Spirit, would make our tongues, make our tongues instruments of the good news. That you would confront us in, a, in an encounter with your aliveness today, Lord, and you would turn us like these women. 
into heralds of life, life in Christ. God, this is our prayer in his beautiful and his holy name. And we say together, amen and amen. I just can't quite get over verse 4. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. I think it's the first three words that get me. And it happened. <laughs> and it happened. What happened? What happened that morning? What happened? And why does it matter? Well, what happened was their wondering was met with suddenly. Their perplexity was met with, and behold. And it, and it happened. They were in a crisis. They, they walked into a situation where they were expecting something, and they got something very, very different. And they were perplexed. You've been perplexed. And you've wondered about things from time to time. And in their perplexed state, suddenly they had an encounter with the living Word of God. In their wonder, they were met with the wonder of the Word of God. Messengers of a living hope. And it happened. And here's the deal. We don't worship a Jesus that is captured in the felt board in our Sunday school room. This declaration that he is not here, he is risen, he is risen, he is risen as he said he would. This message of Easter that we believe with our bone marrow and our heart and our soul and our follicles and our flesh. This word of the aliveness of Christ means it's still happening. That God meets us in the middle of life. In those seasons where we think perhaps we're all alone by ourselves in this world. And then the word, the living word, happens. It's happened to me. By testimony, I've heard that it's happened to many of you. Some of you, it happened as you were watching television. You heard the word. Some of you, it was over coffee with a friend where it happened. But God, God is, is good and he's great and he's alive and he's working and he's on the move. And in the midst of our wonder and our perplexity, it still happens. That suddenly, that and behold, we have an encounter. And let me tell you this. When it happens, things happen. When it happens, things are disrupted. When it happens, the crisis of the moment becomes a divinely touched crisis and grand opportunity. When it happens, things happen. 
You may be asking, Matt, what happens when it happens? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> From this story, I suggest just a few things that I think happen when it happens. When God and his aliveness and his goodness and his greatness come into our experience, I'll tell you a few things that I think happens. One of the things that I think happens is that your preparation up to that point seems wasted. Seems wasted. These women, I love these women. I, I love this version of the Easter story because I really like these ladies. These, these were some hardcore, old-time church mother kind of ladies. This morning as I was driving down Webster Avenue on my way to the office, I saw a woman dressed to the nines. looked like she could be running for Senate. And she was standing out in the middle of a dirt parking lot at a little Pentecostal church. And she had one of those chalk machines like you use to mark off a baseball diamond. And she was out in the middle of that dirt parking lot in that beautiful Easter suit making parking spaces for people to come and worship. I looked at that woman and I said, now that's the kind of woman that would have been at the garden that morning. These were the women that had loved Jesus, been loved by him. They came from Galilee. They were the ones who, if there was a hard, dirty job to be done, they were going to do it. They were his disciples, and they were in it. They were in it with him. And things didn't really work out like they thought they were going to work out, but they were still his, and they still loved him. And there was a dirty job to be done, and that job was to care for his body. And so they went to planning. And you see the plans in verse uh, 55, 54 of chapter 23. The day of preparation and the Sabbath drew near and the women who had come with them from Galilee followed after and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. There's a lot of preparation here. When they took Jesus from the cross and put him in the tomb, that committee, let's just go ahead and call them a committee. That corpse preparation committee followed to the sepulcher because they wanted to know exactly what the coordinates were. They wanted to know the right one, the right place, and they were there because they were preparing. And then when they got a lay of the land and they knew where he was going to be buried, they went and they prepared all the things you need. They made a list. They made a chart. And they, they sat down. They said, you're going to need to get the spice. You're going to need to get the oil. You're gonna... And they, they prepared the materials to prepare the body of Jesus. Then they look at the calendar and said, we can't do it now because we've got this and we've got that. We, we, it's prohibited. But as soon as the calendar allowed, they were ready to go. These women were prepared. They're women of action. And in this room and every pew, there are people who've been preparing all their lives. We're people that prepare and we're people that do. And on that morning, when their wonder, when their wonder met the living word, and there was no body to be cared for, they still had spices in their hands that looked very, very, very useless to them in that moment. You see, one of the great challenges of life is so many times the things that we planned on and thought were going to happen and prepared for leave us with wasted spices. When it happens, a lot of the things you have prepared for will look wasted. They will seem wasted. 
This year, the Waco Tribune Herald around Easter ran a, ran a story about houses of worship and how things were different this year than the year before and the year before that. Josh was interviewed, uh, Jimmy Hunter at Tolliver Chapel. They interviewed the rabbi about how Passover was different this year than last and the year before and all of that. And, and uh, as Josh and I were talking about his interview, we just sort of started reminiscing about last year and the year before. And, and you know, we've moved so hard into new seasons that it was sort of hard for us to even remember how things went last year and, and the year before. Uh, but last year, we had multiple services. We had all the pew cushions rearranged so you didn't get to sit that close to people that you didn't go home with. Uh, we all had masks on. Uh, there was all many things that were different, different, different. And the year before that, we just taped it all, and we sat at home on our couches, and I was as grumpy as I've ever been in my entire life <laughs> watching Easter happen on my couch. We were talking about how things have changed, and, and Josh and I were talking about the, how things were prepared, how we prepared for things uh, in the midst of that really global crisis. And man, you'd, you'd have hours and hours and hour-long meetings and then there'd be a Friday press conference and it would destroy everything you just planned. And in 41 hours, you had to completely flip it over and do it all over again. Josh said, it'd be a cruel thing to do, but it'd be great pedagogy to teach seminarians to, to work on the fly like that. You know, give them a syllabus and then say, oh, just kidding. <laughs> Oh, so many things we prepared for seem wasted when wonder and the word come together, when it happens. You know, sometimes the waste is darker. So much of our, so many of the consequences of our sin was that our sin robbed us of sweet and precious time. And it looked like so much of our life had been wasted. Easter tells us this, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Grief over the wasted time of sin is healthy, but friends, shame is a shackle. And in the garden on that day when the living word confronted these women the things that seem wasted were redeemed by his grace it could happen for you too because it still happens and when it does even though your preparation seems wasted God can take the fragments of wasted things and make a beautiful collage that blesses others and bring glory to his name. That's just how good and great he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So that's what happens when it happens. Another thing I would suggest is that when it happens, your perspective is called into question. When this committee of faithful disciples were encountered by the living word of God and the messengers of the living word of God, they did what people with good sense do. They were overwhelmed in awe, and they fell down to the ground. 
And the messengers of God started out not with the answers, but with one big fat question. And the first word was, why? Why? He said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You were his disciples. You were there when he taught. He was teaching you. He told you multiple times this was going to happen. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You know, people often forget things at church. You leave things behind. This Sunday morning, there'll be a ton of stuff left behind. I'll find a grocery list, you know. Uh, there'll be a purse here. There'll be a wallet there. About half of you will leave your Bibles. <laughs> and about half of those Bibles have with them little notebooks. Little notebooks that you keep your notes in from sermons and Sunday school. About half the time, the Bible is lost with a notebook. Joe, Joe left his, I'm, I'm just going to tell about you, Joe. Joe left his Wednesday during the midweek service, uh, the, the, the Bible and the notebook. Now, I'll confess, the first thing I do when you leave a notebook behind is I read all of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things I learned. The only honest feedback you're going to get on your sermons is when somebody forgets and leaves that notebook behind. Uh, but, you know, we have a Bible and we have a notebook. Now, I'm going to say something, and I don't think this is at all controversial. One of these two books, one of these two books, is in no way, shape, or form inerrant. Our notebooks often contains, contain errors of judgment and perspective. Joe's was nearly about inerrant. But even Joe McKinney's, I mean, we oftentimes just miss it. And Jesus had been preparing his disciples for the betrayals and the cross and the resurrection. But the cross stuff, that wasn't something they could really stomach. I just don't think they could stomach that. And so they would highlight a lot of things. They would underline a lot of things. They'd write down a lot of things about you'll receive a kingdom and this and that. But they believed him to be the Lord and they, they just didn't see the cross coming. It wasn't in their notebook at the moment. They couldn't see it. Their perspective was skewed. And in not highlighting the cross, they lost the resurrection as well. But on this morning, even with an imperfect perspective, they were, they were following after very imperfectly their Lord. And in the midst of their perplexing experience, in the midst of their wonder, the word happened to them. As God's word does, because his word is living. You see, Jesus prepared his disciples for this too. We were taught that the Spirit would bring all the things he taught to memory, to mind. He said that in John. And in the book of Hebrews, we learn that the, the, the word is a living word and it, it reads us even as we encounter it. 
When it happens, the word reads us and the spirit reminds us. And in that moment, on that first Easter day, on that day of resurrection, some beautiful words were spoken about these women. It said, and they remembered. You know the reason they got it? was because God, Jesus, alive, the resurrection true. And that put, that put lenses on their eyes. And it helped them to see what is real and what is true. We live in a world full of saccharine religious lies. That if you put your dollars in the bumblegum machine, the blessings will come out. And so when the rain falls, as it does on the just and the unjust, we lose it. Because our perspective is skewed. But when it happens, when it happens, the word asks why of us. And we get to hear in our heart of hearts the true texture and character of the gospel. And that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live the life, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When it happens, your perspective is called into question. And finally, this is what I think happens when it happens. Our priorities change. Now these women were doing a good thing early this Sunday morning. They were caring for a body. It was an act of honor and it was an act of love. And there they're standing with an empty tomb but good spices. They could have held a meeting and they said, you know, we are indeed the committee of the corpse and there indeed will be other corpses. A good thing for us to do is to find one of those. They even quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or not Dietrich Bonhoeffer, no. What was it? Uh, oh, you remember? He said, the world's deep need and your great delight come together. Who is that? B uh, Beekner, Freddie Beekner, sorry. Had an Easter moment. They, they could have said, oh, remember Freddie Beekner said one day in the future that we could find the deep need of the world and we, we're good at this. We got the stuff. Let's go find the need. You think this is silly. But I've been a pastor long enough to know that there are times that some people just decide this is it. I've had enough and this is it and I have found what I can do and it's helpful to people and I'm good at it and this is it. And I can control the spices and I can do something good with my life. And I'm just going to wait around. So much of our religion is finding a place for our spices to go. But we serve the God of the living. And confronted with the word of God, we have to make choices from time to time. 
Choices to let the spices go. And to have a new identity and a new perspective. And this is not our ultimate. This is not what we're ultimately about. But we are to follow the winds of the living Christ. As the Spirit blows in the earth. As He confronts us and calls us and challenges us and sends us. As we live in in Him. And so this, this committee, this burial committee, they became the first apostolate. They became heralds of the resurrection. They went from that garden to the eleven and the others. Now note this. You had the twelve, the twelve, the twelve, the twelve. They went to the eleven and the others. Even here on this resurrection morning, there is a very vivid picture of the frailty of the people of God. On the first Easter, there was a really odd number. There was one chair empty. And that emptiness spoke to our human frailty and failure. But the word of his aliveness came to that odd-numbered group, to the eleven and the others, declaring, he was telling us the truth, and he is alive. Friends, the word of God confronts us in our life and says the truth is Jesus Christ crucified and raised, the Lord of glory and the Prince of Peace. And we don't get to quit. And he gets to set the priorities. And he gets to send us as he was sent. You know, the Apostle Paul was on the road to persecute some Christians. He'd been doing it. He was going about his life, and it happened to him. In the midst of his life, it happened. He was confronted by the resurrected Christ. From the ground, he looked up and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, a lot of times in life when we run across a situation where everything changes in a moment and we're full of just perplexed, troubled, wondering spirit, our natural question is, what am I going to do now? But in the presence of the living word, the question is, Lord... What do you want me to do? This is what happens when it happens. We go from what will I do to what do you want? And he wants to give us life and a call and a commission and a challenge. He wants to be Lord. 
And he wants us to serve. So on this Easter morning, the question is, and it's before a living God who speaks a living word. Lord, what do you want me to do? If you pray it with sincerity, I believe in my heart of hearts, he'll answer. And some of you already know what it is because it's already happened to you. And you know the next step. What you need is courage. Courage to follow a true and a living God. Lord, we come before you. We ask you to help us know what to do next. And those of us who know, Lord, we ask you to baptize us afresh in your Holy Spirit. That we would do it for your glory and our delight. Lord, as we stand and sing in this room, may we seal in our hearts fresh commitments to you. Commitments to be a people that live with the wonder and the mystery of living in a world that's full of the voice of the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a fresh commitment to live before your sacred scripture, listening for the voice of your spirit as we read it, as you read us. Lord, I pray for someone in this room today that it'll happen to them and everything will change. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Friends, let's stand and let's sing to the Lord, committing ourselves afresh to the way of a living Savior. Andy.